the beginning of the job interview process, you're just a piece of paper. Another resume submitted for the gig. You get piled up with the other papers and before you even know it, you've been placed into one of two piles, the no's or the yeses. This is the show all about getting you into the yes pile. Hey, welcome to the Yes Pile, the show that helps you transform your professional persona to land you where else? In the Yes Pile of candidates for your dream job. I'm your host, Tessa Wolf. I'm a recovering corporate manager turned career coach. I've coached hundreds of professionals in my career and I've interviewed thousands more. And now I'm here to help you navigate this brave new world and to provide you with simple and actionable advice for success at any stage of your career. My goal, help you land your perfect job and then kick ass at it. So whether you're putting off drafting that resume, actively on the job hunt, navigating hurdles in your current role, or considering a complete career switch, I am here to share my best tips and tricks to position you for success. Hey everyone, thank you for tuning in for another episode of The Yes Pile. Today, we are going to talk about the delicate art of navigating difficult conversations at work. I am going to walk you through a six-point plan for how to tackle tough talks in the workplace. And I honestly cannot underestimate how important this really is. This is a mission critical skill for all of us who aspire to manage and lead teams and grow in our career. So if you want to get that promotion or apply for that job that involves coaching and leading a team of any kind, or if you're in a position to be a key member of a leadership committee of some kind, being able to effectively have hard yet constructive conversations is a top skill you need to possess. It can actually be a really defining skill for a leader. The thing that makes them the most successful, or on the other hand, the thing that sinks their opportunity. So trust me when I say that mastering a few key steps to having these types of conversations is not as difficult as you might think. And if you've recently found yourself laying in bed at night, playing and replaying an imaginary work conversation in your head, or one that you've been putting off for a while, but you know you need to have, this is the show for you. If you are someone who will do anything to avoid conflict and end up putting up with a lot of work and are feeling really unhappy or stuck, this is also the show for you. Or if you're someone who's super eager to grow in your management and leadership role and the idea of having to address underperformers literally makes you cringe, this is a great show for you. And if your boss has recently asked for that unscheduled one-on-one next week and you are freaking out right now, wondering what it is about, this is absolutely the episode for you. See, what each of those scenarios have in common are three things. First, assumptions. Largely around the why for the conversation, right? We as humans make loads of assumptions before conversations ever begin. We start to plan, role play, and forecast the outcome. Well, the unfortunate part is this sets a little bit of an imaginary tone for a situation that isn't even real yet. It can drive up our anxiety and worry way beyond the realities of the situation. So oftentimes when we think about difficult conversations, we build a whole reality for something that's not quite real. But what is real 
is the second thing those scenarios all have in common, which is they're really about different experiences. We are almost always walking into a conversation with a different experience than the person we're talking to. We both have different sets of facts than the other person just because we've lived it differently, sat in different seats. And so oftentimes we're really fearful of what we don't know when we walk into difficult conversations. And a lot of that fear is just rooted in the fact that maybe our perception is wrong. But there's no point in putting off having these conversations for that type of fear. Really, when you lean into fear of being wrong, you're letting go of the opportunity to learn and grow. And the third thing that all those scenarios kind of have in common, guys, is feelings. The majority of difficult conversations feel difficult because they're rooted in our emotions. And the reality is all conflicts in life truly are. So all of the work we're going to do today is really centered around helping us separate that emotion, understand that different experiences and perspectives are part of the conversation, and then we're going to move away from making assumptions to inviting true conversation and collaboration. So let's actually start there. The first thing in the six-point plan is really maybe the biggest task, and that's learning to navigate having a difficult conversation by being open to changing your mindset. That's right. So the first thing I want to ask you to do is instead of scary, instead of difficult, instead of negative, let's shift our thinking into viewing these moments as opportunity moments. And by that, I mean... These are conversations where we can positively and proactively discuss and fix a problem that's been irking you. So instead of legitimately laying in bed at night, unable to sleep, letting anxiety just take you over, you're raising your hand to have a conversation to fix it. It doesn't mean that conversation will be easy, but we're changing our mindset to view this as a positive and proactive step towards an opportunity moment. So think about it. You're really taking the first step to advance something that right now isn't in an ideal place. And that's where we're starting from, a place of productiveness and problem solving. And when you do that, it instantly removes some of the emotional barriers you've put in place before the communications even started. And once you do that, and look, this will require you making conscious decisions to view the opportunity this way. This is an active exercise you're going to have to do every time. Make the conscious decision to view it this way. But once you do that, you can much better think through the opportunity this conversation presents, prepare and plan and see solution oriented. And that goes to our next step. The next step in this process for tackling difficult conversations at work is to truly know your why. Why do you need to have this conversation? Is it to solve a problem? Is it to make someone aware of something that they could change? Is it to ask for guidance or support? The things you need to do your job. Start from what your why is, the reason for the talk, the reason for the meeting, and then identify what your desired outcome is. Be specific. And I'm going to tell you right now, getting something off your chest is not an outcome. What is the action item you want to see happen as a result of this conversation? And if there isn't one, then you need to do some thinking before you initiate a conversation. Because that's the key to having these meaningful yet challenging talks. And it's something that good leaders know. 
These types of conversations are always pointed at solutions. The purpose of addressing a problem is to solve it. So if you walk into this conversation not presenting a solution or a clear problem to solve, the other person, regardless of the role they play in the scenario, they are left feeling helpless. They feel talked to, not talked with. They don't know how to help solve this. And then they're kind of left there trying to help you sort out your emotions which is not how productive conversations at work go, right? That's why we need to think on the upfront about the why, the impetus for the meeting, and the desired outcome. Identifying these things in advance will help you remove some of the emotion you may be feeling and help you outline the path forward before you even begin. To prepare, I want you to ask yourself, what do you want the other person to know? What is the key message you need to get across? And what do you want to have happen as an outcome of the conversation? You must know these things going in in order to make the conversation productive and successful. And you know me, a key tip I give everybody is write it down. Force yourself to look at that notepad and write down, what is my why? Why am I having this conversation? And what is my desired outcome? All right, now, The third thing here is I really encourage you to make these conversations timely. Do it now. Do not sit on the problem. Do not let time pass, anxiety rise, but relevance fade. The best time to approach a difficult conversation is now, always. So if you have an employee who is not delivering and you just let it go on and on, When you finally ask them to meet to discuss the issue, they are going to be blindsided that there's even a problem to begin with because you never said anything before. And that's not setting either one of you up for success. When problems arise that cannot be immediately solved or quickly solved and require a harder conversation to navigate, do so in a timely manner. While the problem or specific example of an issue is still fresh and all parties feel close enough to it to understand, discuss, and rectify. Do it now. And that really leads me to the next step here, which is initiating a clear and calm conversation. So first of all, these types of talks should always be one-on-one conversations. Never ever attempt a hard conversation with an audience either directly there, in the room, in the space you're sitting in, or within earshot. Create an environment of compassion, candor, and clear expectations, right? So first, pick a place where you can have some privacy and people can feel open and honest. And then remind yourself that conversations are meant to be conversations. They're collaborative. They're about collaborative solutions. It's not a platform for blame. You want to initiate these conversations with that ambition in mind. And there really are kind of three important pieces to initiating these types of chats. And I call this the three-step invite. It's a great way to craft an email requesting a difficult conversation, but it also works for a phone call or an in-person invitation as well. So my three-step invite formula is pretty simple. First, a kind approach. (laughs) Setting a calm, collaborative, and solution-based tone right out of the gate. 
helps calm the nerves and the concerns of the other party. Think about it. When anybody says, hey, we need to talk, we need to have a conversation, the first thing you do is assume the worst, right? (laughs) So as someone initiating the opportunity for this type of conversation, it's really on you to model calm, collaborative, and solution-based tonality right out of the gate. And the person you're talking to will hopefully pick up on that energy and play it back to you. And let's not be foolish as to think that we're trying to coddle or cushion or soften the facts here, not at all. We wanna make sure that we're just creating an open conversation platform. But part two of this invitation is be direct. State the specific subject or the need for the meeting. Like, hey, I wanna talk to you about a potential promotion, or I would like to talk to you about why you've been missing deadlines on projects. So you wanna lay out the groundwork and the invitation to connect in a kind and gentle way, but then be direct about what the concern is so the person you're inviting knows what they're walking into and they can think about it in advance. And furthermore, the third step in my three-step invitation is maybe the most important, but it's state your desired outcome. And that doesn't necessarily mean the exact solution you're looking for, But on the upfront, tell them that you're looking to seek a solution before you leave the room. And remember, that's why we have these conversations, to solve a problem. So tell the other person you want to do just that. And an example of that could be something like, I want to discuss what I can do better to position myself in the future to be considered for other promotions. And ideally, I'd love to work with you to outline an action plan to get me there. Something like that that lets them know, look, I'm looking at this from a positive lens. I trust and value your opinion. I want to talk to you about maybe why I didn't get the job, but I want us to work together to outline what I can do to be considered next time. That's the right approach. So three-step invitation, setting a calm and collaborative tone, being direct in the ask, and three, stating that you want to work on a mutually agreed to outcome. So that's it. Clear, concise, calm. I want to talk to you, opportunity to tackle. Here's what I want to have happen in the meeting. And let me just say this, whatever you do, do not say these words. I need to have a hard conversation with you. Oh my God, (laughs) doesn't it make your skin crawl? Remember, nobody wants to feel put on the spot or challenged or blamed for something. This is an opportunity to keep it really positive and proactive before you've even begun the conversation. And also remember, problems are temporary. They are opportunities for change and progress. Let's all remember that. And also remember we're all people and we deserve respect and patience and opportunity to get things right. Okay, so in theory now you've figured out your why, you've figured out your desired outcomes, you've issued a really thoughtful three-step invitation to join you in conversation. So you really set the meeting up in a clear way and now it's time. the actual conversation, right? Dun, dun, dun. So listen, my personal philosophy for having these types of conversations, and I have had many, are to curate the conversation you want to have. And by that, I really mean model the behavior you want the other person to play back. So set the tone, the ambitions, and the game plan by example. I always aim for gratitude over attitude, no matter what. And it's not easy. It's not easy for me. It's not easy for anyone. But in these conversations, let's just start by saying, thank you. Thanks for agreeing to meet with me and having this conversation. Because I know there's a lot to dissect here. And state the terms for what you want the conversation to be, which is collaborative, honest, solution-oriented, 
and compassionate, right? We're here to solve a problem together. So setting that tone for honesty and that you want to leave with a solution or a plan in place and then reminding them of your need and your why that you would have put in your invitation and stating your desire for the outcome that you'll walk away with. A game plan, right? We're gonna walk out of this room with a game plan. That basically is setting the tone for the conversation you're about to have. And also, let's remember, it's our job to remove as much emotion as you can because conversations like this are about problem solving. Effective ones are anyway. They're about focusing on facts, being really honest, and also being open to different opinions and ideas about the solutions. You know, you've spent a lot of time thinking about what the outcome could look like. There's a good chance the other person has too. So go into this with an open mind to listen. And by that, I mean, really listen. I don't know how many times you maybe have worked to practice active listening, but this is a very important skill to work on and refine. And that just means really listening, not thinking about what you're going to say next, not thinking about a rebuttal, which we sometimes do when we're feeling emotionally pressed. But listen to what the other person's saying. Don't rush. Take the time to listen. It's okay to take a pause to digest. If something's not clear, ask them to elaborate. Or if you're receiving maybe hard to swallow feedback, ask them to give you a specific example to contextualize the feedback so that you can really think through it. And remember, The two of you are sitting here with unique perspectives and unique experiences. You are not gonna see things the exact same way. So it is important to ask those questions and really listen to understand how the other person's viewing the scenario. And in that, I want you to be open and willing to have your opinion shifted. And let me just say, these conversations can't be scripted. They can't be predicted for all the reasons we've just said. And if the conversation starts to get a little off course, whether that's on you or the other person, just take a beat, remind yourself of your why and your desired outcome and help guide that conversation back in the right direction. And honestly, that can be as simple as, hey, I just wanna say this conversation is actually really helping me think through this more. Can we start to talk about what solutions could look like? When you interject like that, You're giving value to what the other person is saying and contributing in the moment. You're not disregarding anything that's been contributed, but you're refocusing back on the task, right? You both agreed to it as you entered into the meeting. Solutions, that's what we're here to find. So something as simple as that can get you back on track. And honestly, staying committed to solutions really helps us leave the emotion and the blame behind and grounds us in productivity, which is why we're having these conversations to progress and solve a problem and move it forward. And as you may near the end of the meeting, and you know, a question people ask me sometimes is, how long should I set up these conversations for? I say 30 minutes, give yourself a half hour. If you don't use all the time, great. You might need a half hour. Do not schedule a challenging conversation for an hour. Just don't do it. It gives you way too much time to maybe go through different iterations of people's perspectives versus staying on point for driving home a solution. So anyway, as you near the end of your 30 minute or less meeting and you're hopefully moving into outlining solutions, definitely plan, maybe even set a little alarm to take the last five minutes to reset. In those last five minutes, you need to verbally recap what you agreed to. 
If a follow-up is required, say you'll schedule it. If there's work you or the other person need to do, repeat back what it is you discussed and agreed to to make sure you're on the same page. And the key here is really everyone walks out of that meeting understanding next steps. No one is left feeling like they don't know what's going on, they weren't heard, or a solution is not in place. This is a critical step, outlining and recapping the actions that need to happen. If this doesn't happen, the whole conversation was for nothing. And I would say, before the conversation ends in the room, take a minute, and you might have to dig deep for this, but do it. Take a minute and express a genuine thank you for making the time to tackle it. And it is okay to say, I know these conversations aren't easy, but I appreciate you and I appreciate your willingness to try to make this work. And I would tell you, even if you didn't reach an immediate solution or maybe you didn't get the answer you wanted, still express the gratitude because establishing a confident and productive communication connection with a boss, an employee, or even a coworker, that can take time. It could take time and trust to build that. And expressing your gratitude for working on this very first step in whatever this problem is, whatever the solution is, I should say, that really means something. So the last piece here, guys, is I want you to send a written follow-up, reiterating what we just did in the closing. Express your thanks and gratitude for the time. And then I want you in writing to recap the action plan that you agreed to. Outline the opportunity, what you both determined solutions looked like, the action steps required to get there. And if you can, and it's relevant, I definitely encourage you to also put a timeline against those next steps. So when I'm going to report back, when I'd like to meet again to update you on my progress, or when I'm going to get that task done that you need me to do. Timing really transitions hypotheticals into actuals, right? It denotes that this is real. This is moving and happening. We are working towards solutions. Plans are in motion. And yes, you are on your way. So to recap those six steps, those six key points in navigating tough conversations. One, change your mindset. Opportunity over problem. Think about it from a positive and proactive space. Two, know your why. What you need to have happen and why it should happen. Three, do it now. The time is now. Have the conversation while the situation is still fresh in everyone's mind. Four, initiate clear and calm conversation with that three-step invitation. And five, curate the convo you want to have by setting and modeling the tone, setting up the top of the meeting for what you're gonna do together, discuss together, and leading with gratitude, not attitude. And six, the final point in the six-step plan, Recap the plan when you leave the meeting in writing. Send a quick note of thanks, appreciation, and your action plan to let them know that you are serious about solving this. So guys, that's not that hard, right? Six steps. Trust me that when you start to address these problems that seem bigger than life, they're really simple and turnkey steps and processes. These will get a lot easier to navigate. And just like with anything else, practice makes perfect. So don't be afraid to have meaningful, hard conversations. And my hope for you guys is that you all begin to use this approach, you use this tool, and as you're navigating difficult conversations in your work life, that you're able to truly turn them into positive, proactive, and productive moments that help you. They help you grow as a leader. They help you grow as an employee. 
and as a team member. And now I want you to go immediately update your resume because you now know how to manage difficult and complex conversation in the workplace. So go ahead and give yourself some credit. All right, friends. Something I do every episode is take a real life question from you and answer it. And today's question is a killer. I love this question. I was just asked by a friend, okay, I'm in, this is a quote. Okay, I'm in the final stages of my interview process and the HR person just asked me what my salary expectations are. Help. All right. (laughs) Uh, This, my friends, this can actually be a make or break situation for you, right? You've made it far in the interview process and you want to be really careful to not undercut yourself. Like what if they said, what are your salary expectations? And you gave a number and they're like, oh, fantastic. Because we were going to offer you 20% more. They're not going to just be kind and give you that extra 20%. They're going to give you what you asked for so the company can save the money. So I want to be really thoughtful here and tell you, Do not reveal your salary history. Don't give a number. You never ever need to. Don't feel that you're obligated. There's no way for a potential employer to find out your past information. And honestly, if you're trying to aim higher than you've been before, you need to do your homework. Do some research about competitive salaries in the market. Also look on resources like Glassdoor and see what the company has historically paid in terms of roles similar to the one you're aiming for. Like do your homework, but... Don't undercut yourself by giving a number when they ask you that question in the interview process. And let me actually tell you what I think you should say. So I have a favorite answer to this question. (laughs) So I'm going to share it with you. Ready? I look at compensation as a total package. Compensation is more than just salary to me. It's benefits that are both tangible and intangible, like health insurance and also career training and access to industry events and education. That said... When it comes to salary, my ideal compensation is a number that is competitive within the industry, in line with the responsibilities of this role, and aligned to that of my peers. So what I love about this answer is you're saying, look, I know what people at my level are getting paid. I want to be compensated for my time and expertise, and I want to be properly compensated with my peers. I'm not into that salary break. I don't want to be paid less than him, more than her. I want us to be paid for our talents and our time equally. And you're also showing that you're interested in more than just money, which I think a lot of us are, right? We want opportunity for growth, We want access to education, events, tools, things within our trade that make us a stronger and more valuable employee. So that's it. That's my key answer to that. And I'll share that on Instagram with you guys so you can just steal it and make it your own. That'll come your way. Cool. And another thing for some of you still kind of ruminating on that, you know, while this approach lets you lay out your expectations without potentially lowballing you, definitely feel free to follow up and say, I'd like to hear more about the target salary and package for this position. Like you can get right at it. Be specific, be kind, be gentle, but you can say, I'd like to understand more about what it is you're offering for this role. Go for it. Okay, if you have a work question or an idea for a future podcast, hit me up. This show is for you. So let me know how I can help. 
You can drop me a line at connect at tessawolf.com or message me on Instagram. We're at the Guest Pile Podcast. Now let's talk about next week's show. All right, you guys are not gonna wanna miss this because next week we are actually gonna do a cover letter workshop. That's right, cover letters, ugh, dreaded cover letters. I'm gonna share with you my proprietary formula for crafting a winning cover letter. And you're gonna walk away with an editable template that you can easily update for each and every job you apply for. And it takes a lot of the pain and confusion out of the dreaded cover letter, which by the way, you do still need to use as you're applying for jobs. Just trust me on that one. So tune in next week. We're gonna do a cover letter workshop together. It'll be a lot of fun. And just a quick reminder out there for everybody, I have made my resume mini course available for free this month only. It walks you through Uh, the five key steps for leveling up your resume and some bonus real world examples are peppered in there in terms of job titles, bios, and tips for writing and proofing your resume. So go snatch that up. You can go to tessawolf.com, click on my virtual coaching center and get that for free uh, this last week of April. Before we go, if today was at all helpful for you and you learned something from the work we did together, please do me a favor and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you're feeling extra inspired and generous, please give us a rating and review. For more career advice, inspiration, and fun, follow us on Instagram at the Yes Pile Podcast. Until next time, cheers, everyone.